Well, hello, everybody, wherever you are, really, you may be at a watch party right now. You may be at your house. You may be driving down the road. Uh, you may be in Dallas. You may be anywhere around the world. You may be in our studio audience. I don't know where you are. Uh, there's a studio audience right there. But we're really, really glad uh, that you're with us. And today we're talking about uh, about saying hard things in relationships. We're in this series called The Secret Sauce. Key ingredients to the to building the kind of relationships we really want and the skill of saying hard conversations, whether it's bringing out a hurt in a relationship and working through it or maybe giving feedback, constructive feedback to someone, something they need to consider. That's that's important, but it's really, really hard to do. So we're going to talk about that. The Bible's super, super helpful. And uh, and God wants us to have these conversations It's part of how we grow. But before we jump into it, we're going to we're going to get into it by playing a game. Right. Everybody likes games. And so if you're uh, on your own, you can just shout out these answers. If you are in a group like a watch party or with your family or something, uh, you can make a make a competition out of it to see who can get the answers the quickest or most answers. Whoever wins gets a milkshake or chooses what's for dinner. You figure out what what's up. So what we're going to do is I'm, these are movie famous movie lines like lines from like famous lines from movies and um and there'll be a blank in there and so you just have to yell out what would go in the blank so here we go you had me at hello there you go yep that's that goes back oh jerry Maguire. may the force be with you of course star wars of course they may take our lives but they'll never take our cell phones no, our freedom. Yeah, our freedom. Um, love is putting someone else's needs before yours is the answer. That's from Frozen, little Olaf. I still haven't watched the whole thing. I've got to do that. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Good job, from Godfather. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, let's think about that line a little bit because that gets us into what we're talking about. And I hope everybody won. I hope you won. Um, you know, that comes from this movie where he says the truth, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. And it, 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 it's great little line because it kind of brings out this love hate relationship that most of us have, probably all of us have with the truth, uh, meaning especially uncomfortable truths about us. I mean, happy truths about us. We embrace, but not so happy truths about us. We kind of this love hate relationship. We want to know, but we kind of don't want to know. It's like I, I'm a little bit overdue to go to the doctor and do my checkup and do that kind of thing. And part of the and I'm, I, it is on the schedule. But part of why I drag my feet is as far as I know, everything's OK in here. But if I go to the doctor and they look under the hood, they may find something that's true, but I don't want to hear it. You know, that they, they, they can deal with it. So it's it's important. But at the same time, I have this love hate relationship with the truth and with other things in my life, like character things or relational things kind of the same way, except um, what I don't want to do, and I think what you don't want to be, is kind of the last person to know. You know, these things in our life that could be better, or these things we do that are off-putting, or whatever it is. Um, everybody else kind of sees it, but we don't. And that's always kind of a scary thing to think about, being the last to know. And, and because all of us have blind spots in our lives, we, we, we don't even smell our own stink anymore after a while. It smells good to us, but other people are like, you know, right? So you don't want to be the last to know. Kind of like um, this little thing that happened a couple weeks ago. So a couple weeks ago in this series, I did a sermon. Now, I'm sure everybody watched it and will remember what I talked about uh, two weeks ago. 
And uh, because I, I sent out, and this is a good, by the way, so I sent out a video to those of you who are Chase Oakers a few weeks ago. I'm just saying, hey, in this pandemic, it's upended all of our habits, uh, especially our spiritual habits and uh, like going to church and things like that. And so as we go into the fall, um, let's make sure we're not spiritually drifting. And, and I encouraged everybody to embrace four. You can see this on the website, but four new habits uh, for the fall. And one of those habits is to have a regular weekend worship routine. You're not just, oh, yeah, I need to watch that, you know, but to say, no, this is how I as a single or as a couple or as a family or we're going to do, you know, this is how we're going to do this. And we're going to focus because otherwise it's just really easy to drift. Well, you may have seen the service where uh, I was talking about the unity table. And uh, in fact, here here I am. Uh, here's the video of me speaking. And what I didn't know about that sermon was uh, in, until the end when I, I you know, the service was over. I went to the bathroom and this was I hated realizing this, but my uh, my zipper was down the whole sermon. And that's a really bad feeling because, you know, nobody mentioned it. I'm thinking, oh, no, this is terrible. Like, what am I going to do? Like, because it went out live, you know, on Friday night. And then that's the feet. That's what we use to go online and everything. I'm thinking, oh, no. And, and there's options, right? Maybe I, I you know, I have to redo it. Or maybe we, instead of redoing it, we could just do something like this. Um, put the little black bar there. And that wouldn't be distracting at all, would it? Like that, no, no problem. Um, and, and I, I, you know, but it was insecure. And, but one thing I was really thankful for is that I knew that there were some people watching, like Jan uh, Sampak, who is uh, one of our pastors and, and is involved in producing our services, um, We've been friends forever. She's like my big sister. She I knew she would tell me the truth. I knew she would say the uncomfortable thing. She wouldn't just leave me not knowing. Right. She would let me know. And uh, and that gave me some security just to be sure I did watch uh, Friday night. Uh, did watch the feed to make sure I was OK. It was OK. Uh, thankfully, I don't tuck in my shirt. That was helpful. But uh, other in and. and but those kind of people in your life, like Jan and other people in my life that love you and and love you enough to tell you the truth about you in a gracious way, and all those words are important, um, they're like MVPs in your life, most valuable players in your life. Uh, people who won't just leave you hanging, who won't leave you the, you know, like it, it, I, I sometimes I think of it as like the, the booger on your nose principle. Like who's, or do you have people in your life who will tell you, hey, you got it. You got to check that out. You got right. Because you don't want again, you don't want to just be left without everybody else knows. But you don't know. And and yet those hard conversations where people, whether it's a problem in a relationship or a conflict or a hurt or something in your character or something that you do, something you think. About, those are so important to have, but they're really hard to have. And most of us are not good at it. Um, some people are are good at having them. They'll say hard things, but they're just kind of mean. And, and other and not very sensitive. Other people are overly sensitive, but never get around to saying it or say it in such a way that doesn't even feel like a problem. And so how do you how do you do these? Well, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because it, it is, as we'll see, a big part of how we grow spiritually is with people giving us that kind of feedback so that we can address it and that we can deal with it. And to to help us have these hard conversations of uh, feedback, constructive kind of conversations, uh, we're going to look in, in the book of John at Jesus and then hear what Paul had to say in Ephesians uh, chapter four. So first, let's go to Jesus, because obviously he's kind of good at everything. Right. So 
uh, this included. So John was one of his close friends, one of his disciples, and the word is talking about Jesus. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's the operative phrase, full of grace. Literally, it's full of grace and full of truth that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. And to have these kind of conversations, it has, they have to be full of grace and full of truth. Grace says, I love you like you are. I accept you as you are. That's grace. Truth says, yeah, but I love you too much to say that way. Truth says you've, you've got to change. So grace says, love you as you are. Truth says it'd be a whole lot better if you changed. And the best conversations are full of grace and truth. Because if you have grace without truth, it feels good in a relationship when somebody's just encouraging and saying, just accepting and all that. But they'll leave you with your zipper down. Right? Grace without truth is not very uh, life-changing. Not, it's kind of anemic. But truth without grace is just mean. Right? Where somebody just like a critic or somebody just cutting you down all the time and that kind of thing. That's no good either. You need both. Like this past week on Wednesday, I think it was, two of our board members, not B-O-R-E-D. Some of you may be like, I'm a board church member. But that's not what I mean. That's mean. Don't say that. That's, but, um, no, board, like, you know, board of the organization, uh, elders, um, do my review and, and two of them, uh, you know, do that and they get feedback from other people and do my annual review. What, you know, where you're doing fine, where you're not doing so fine. And, and it was a great example of that because uh, they take it really seriously and I really appreciate it. And, and I want to hear both, right? I, and, and they do a great job of, of balancing grace and truth. Grace, hey, you're doing great. And here's some things that, man, we're so thankful for. But truth, hey, but here's some things I think you need to consider. Here's some things that could really be better in your leadership. And that gives me so much confidence that to have both, right? Because if, if it was just grace and they never were corrective, then I, I would start to not trust their feedback. It'd be like, well, there's things they're not telling me. And I wouldn't get better. But if it was truth without grace and just, well, you're lousy. Here's all boom, boom, boom. You, you know, here's all the thing and no encouragement, no grace. Well, that would get discouraging and I would probably want to quit and do my backup plan if I ever get fired here. You know what my backup plan is? It's to be in the NBA. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying that's the most realistic feedback, uh, you know, backup plan in the world. But, you know, so I better keep my job. Right. But uh, and but it was a balance of grace and truth. Paul talks about uh, the way he says it is very uh, says the same thing, just in different words. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love, that'll be our operative phrase, speaking the truth, truth in love, we grace, we will grow to become uh, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. What Paul is saying is one of the key means of spiritual growth is to be in community that will love you enough to tell you the truth about you. And therefore, in this season right now where we're starting a lot of groups and you can go online and find out how to be in a group and a whole lot of you are getting into groups and that's awesome. There's a lot of groups starting uh, these online groups and some of them are in-person groups. But if you're not in community, I mean, the Bible is really clear. The body grows as it builds itself up in love as each member does its part. We grow in connection, not in isolation. And one of the ways that works is being with people who are for you. And love you enough to tell you the truth about you so that you can grow speaking the truth in love. So let's talk about what that looks like, because some people good are good at speaking the truth. Like you don't have to guess what they're thinking. They're like, you know, you, 
They're, they don't have any problem having hard conversations, but they may not do it in the most loving way where people can actually hear it. They get defensive and all that. Other people are so on the love side of things that they never get around to saying the hard thing because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, and the truth is, it's loving somebody enough to speak the truth in a gracious way. So let's, let's just think through it. And we're going to just kind of unpack this phrase. Um, speak the truth in love. Let's talk about speak, first of all. That at some point, you really do have to say the, the uncomfortable thing. You, have to, you, you do have to say it. You can't just give hints or be passive aggressive or I mean, you can try, but that's no good. Or, you know, just throw out things like, well, you know, if you ever actually did anything around here, you might, you know, that kind of stuff. It rather than dealing with the problem or if you actually cared anybody about yourself, you might, you know, that kind of stuff's not or or trying to withhold affection or do the silent treatment. There's all kinds of ways people try to um, get people to embrace the truth, but those aren't good. We're told to speak the truth. And let me just make that even more um, practical. That means, one, we need to be direct. You have to say it, like to say the concern, say the feedback, say the constructive thing. You have to be direct. Say the unsaid thing. And uh, and, and some of you are really good at that and some of us aren't. I, I tend, maybe it's because I'm from the south or something where, you know, we kind of beat around the bush a lot. It takes me a long time to get to a hard thing in a conversation. And by the time you get there, you know, you, it gets kind of lost. Um, or sometimes people think all I did was say you're great when I was trying to say you got a problem. And so one thing I've learned is one of the best, best ways to do that is to start with a question um, because questions are less um, they they help people be not as defensive. But they also I mean, it also just gets right to it. So I might say something like this. Hey, you know, I'm a big fan, right? But. Would you be open uh, with, with me, or would you be open to this if if we talk about something that is a is a concern in our relationship or a concern in your life that I really think you need to hear? It's not super comfortable to say, and you know, but but I, I really I really think it'd be a great conversation if we could if, if you're up for that. Well, then you're stuck, right? You can't you you know you're there, and uh, and so be direct, uh, be balanced. And what I mean by be balanced, we were talking about grace and truth and all that, but but if all you ever say is is constructive things or, you know, concerns and you don't have a steady diet of affirmation, it's really hard for people to hear concerns because you just feel like a mean critic. And a lot of times it is easy not to say we leave a lot of unsaid encouragement on the table like we just never say it. And uh, and and we need a steady diet of that to create an environment to create in our relationship where people are open to corrective feedback when they know that you're for them and you're with them. And and so therefore say it probably needs to be about a 10 to one ratio, because most of us remember, you know, it, it you know, if you if if you hear 100 things said about you, you'll remember the one negative thing um, much more than you remember positive things that people say. Um, so say the unsaid positive things uh, to give kind of this uh, environment of grace that you can say the uncomfortable thing. But uh, it's like one guy uh, in, in marriage counseling, one couple, they've been married for 50 years and. And they're with their marriage counselor and and the wife says to her husband, you know, you never tell me you love me. And he said, well, 50 years ago when we got married, I told you I loved you. And if it ever changes, I'll let you know. You know? Well, that's not good. Right. That's you, you got to let people know. Say the unsaid thing um, and then be face to face. 
You know, Jesus talks about that. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Now, that's important. It's not tell everybody, you know, that's called gossip. You go to the person, but you go actually to the person and do it face to face. Jesus didn't say, if you've got a problem with somebody, put it out on Instagram. If you've got a problem with somebody, text them. If you've got a problem with somebody, message them or send an email. That's a terrible thing to do. He said, you go to them face to face. And if you're geographically distant or all this, you know, social distancing stuff, Zoom meeting or call, but don't do all that other stuff where you can't have, you can't see tone. You can't just all that other stuff is terrible way to do one of these hard conversations. So actually do it face to face. But you do have to speak the truth in love, but you have to speak. And next, the truth. And part of that is make sure that it's actually true. Speak the truth in love. Well, make sure that what you're speaking is actually true. And, and that's where this first bullet underneath is to be humble enough to know that, hey, you know what? I don't know everything. This may be a misunderstanding. I may be seeing something that's not there. I may be wrong. Uh, if it's a you know, like a character thing, a relational pattern in their life, that's not so healthy or whatever it is. And just say, man, I, I could be wrong. Or or if it's a an offense in a relationship, a way that you're hurt and you say, man, maybe it's just my sensitivity. Maybe I'm overly sensitive. Maybe it's nothing. Uh, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. But can we talk about this? It's just having that humility, the way a former pastor and friend of mine uh, a guy named Don Overton. He, he now lives in Colorado. Uh, he was on our staff a long time ago. But I always liked the way he would give me feedback because he would say, I could be 90 percent wrong. But and it always kind of felt like I could be 90 percent wrong, but I think you're a complete idiot. It's kind of the way it felt. But I kind of liked it because it's not saying I'm he's not 100 percent wrong. And he's probably not 100 percent right. And he just has that humility that is disarming to say, "Okay, you know, I'm, I'm open to looking at that. And then. Focus on the facts. Again, we're talking about the truth. Focus on the facts and your feelings, because those are the two things you know to be true. Facts and feelings. You know what they've done, like, especially if, if, if the hard conversation is about an offense, like a way they've hurt you, a way they've offended you. Um, you know, you know what they did and you know how it made you feel. What you don't know is motives. You don't know why they did that. So, you know, for you to say, well, you know, you don't care about me or you don't care about anybody or you whatever. You don't, you know, you just care about your work. You don't care about your family. You, you don't know that. That's not true. You're judging their motives. But what you do know is the facts and your feelings about that. So let me, let me give a scenario. Let's say you live with somebody. You have a roommate. Um, you're married. Whatever. You live with somebody. Um, you have kids. And they have this pattern of... Uh, of just being messy and leaving stuff out and then you have to clean it up and it's frustrating. So, uh, let's say, you know, it's an evening, you know, after an evening in the morning, they, on the coffee table in front of the TV, there's leftover wings and Coke and pizza and all this kind of stuff that they left there. And whether it's your roommate or your spouse or kid, whatever, right? And you're frustrated about that, right? Instead of saying, well, you don't care about anybody. You're so lazy. You're da da da. You don't know on any of that. But what you do know is what they what they did and how it made you feel. So to say, hey, look, when you do that, like you did last night, um, leave everything out. And then, you know, I felt like I had to come in and clean it up. I want you to know I, I feel frustrated. I makes me feel hurt because it's really insensitive to me. Um, 
You know, I, I feel like whatever, right? But, it, you know, about facts and feelings. In fact, this is a, a great little phrase is when you do blank, I feel blank. Nobody can argue with that, right? That's the truth. Also, be specific. Uh, meaning instead of being general, you're mean, you're insensitive, you're whatever. Try to be specific, which includes avoiding the always and never statements like you always you never take out the trash. You always do this. You never consider my feelings you, because in that because that's not true either. And I promise you, they can think of the one time back in 1987 where they took out the trash and they're like, you're totally off. You know, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I remember 30 years ago I did that. But you know, so always and never don't do that. But be specific. And here, let me give another scenario. Um, so let's say you are married and you're a guy. Now, I know if you're a girl, that's a little bit challenging. But let's say you're married and you're a guy and you have a wife. Her name is Geraldo. Why would I think of that? But let's see. Uh, that's weird. Let's, Amy. Amy. OK, Amy. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. Let's say you have a wife. Her name is Amy and you have a mom and uh, and your mom has this pattern of being really demeaning and not very nice and very critical of your wife in public and uh, around your family. And uh, so when you talk to your mom about that, which you should, you could you could just say, Mom, you're so mean. Quit being mean to my wife. Right. But that's really general. So be specific. Like, let's say there was something that happened that you could just bring out like, hey, the other night, you know, mom, when we were all at dinner, family dinner. Um, or just something I really need to talk to you about because this is a pattern, but that dinner really illustrates it. So, um, you know, she worked really hard on that dinner and twice, uh, you made really mean jokes, condescending jokes. I know you're trying to be funny, but, um, but it, I know, you know, you said these jokes about her cooking and I could see on her face that it, it really hurt because she worked hard on that. And, uh, and I want, you to know, it made me feel really frustrated. For her and hurt. And and then she said something uh, one time and and you kind of ridiculed your kind of condescending in your response and thinking her opinion was not very smart or whatever. And and it was really awkward and it, it made her feel really hurt. It shut her down. It made me feel mad at you because you hurt my wife. It made me feel frustrated, it made our kids um, feel confused about why is their grandmother being mean to their mom? I mean, there's just a lot that happens when you do that. I don't think you want to do that. So can we talk about um, how that could be different? Because it's got to be different. Well, that's really specific, right? And so be as specific as you can. Speak the truth in love. And then let's talk about love. Right? That's a good thing to talk about. All you need is love. Bum, bum, bum. All you need is love, right? And love is great, but it's not all you need. You do need to speak the truth. But you do need love. You got to have the love part. It needs to be bathed in love it, it, for these relationships. I mean, for these conversations to work um, really, really well. Somebody has to know that 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 you really are for them and you really do love them and you're not going anywhere like you're you're with them. You're for them. But there's something that you need to say because you love them that much, even though it's uncomfortable. So speak the truth in love. What does that mean? Well, first of all, remember the goal. Because the goal of one of these conversations is not to get even. The goal is not to set the record straight. The goal is not to say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. The goal is not cut them down to size or anything like that. The goal is love. The goal is their benefit. Just like Olaf said, you know, it's not about 
your needs, but the other person, which is Philippians 2, by the way. Frozen stole the truth from the Bible, which is fine. That's not a problem. But remember the goal. Ephesians 4 says, do not let any unwholesome talk, unhealthy talk, that talk that doesn't is not nourishing. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Why? Because the goal is building others up. Only what is helpful for building others up. That, that, that's your, the whole point of a crucial conversation. It's not, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm hurt, I want to hurt you back. Uh, one of these conversations uh, about whether it's feedback in their life or a, a, some conflict in a relationship or something that's gone, that, that you're hurt or whatever, is, is to help build them up. And in order to use words that build them up, that takes some thought. Solomon in Proverbs says the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That if, if we don't really think about it, these conversations, if we, if we don't have a plan, if we don't think about how we're going to say it, reckless words pierce like swords. Wise people don't use reckless words. They think through it. Like, like even when I preach, when I do these sermons, believe it or not, I, I'm prepared. And I, I, I speak it five times out loud. Just speak it out loud to an empty room um, five times before I ever speak. By the time I get to Sunday, it's seven times before I ever speak a sermon because it's important. You're giving your time and it's worth that for me to be ready. Same thing with this. We need to be ready. We need to practice it. We need to talk through it. Hey, how are we going to do this? How are we going to talk through it? But remember the goal in love. It's to do whatever is best for them to be built up. And to get some truth about themselves. And, and you may want to think about the time and place in that too. Like the time to do one of these conversations is probably not when you're angry or they're angry or you're hurt or they're hurt. Or what You know, just sort of think about that as well. And then be completely humble and gentle. Love is both humble and gentle. First Corinthians 13, be completely humble and gentle. That's actually a biblical phrase. Be completely humble and gentle. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. If that's the only verse you and I had to guide our conversations with other people, imagine how the world would be different if everybody applied Ephesians 4, 2 right now in this polarized world where people are so mean uh, to each other, mean to people who disagree with them and all this kind of stuff. Imagine if we just did this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It would change our world, right? And it would change our relationships, especially in these things, because it's humble and gentle. Galatians 6, Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, there's an issue. You who are godly should gently and humbly, again, gentleness, humility, gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Instead of being harsh, be gentle. Use words that are nourishing. And instead of being judgmental, condescending, arrogant, like I'm up here, you're down here. I'm doing great. You're a screw up. Um, it's humility saying, hey, we're all screw ups. That's why Paul says, be careful that you don't fall into the same thing because you, you're just as prone as anybody to do that. This conversation is one struggler talking to another struggler and saying, hey, look, this is, you know, I'm a screw up. And I struggle and you've been so helpful for me. And 
But this is something I just think you need to consider. I could be wrong. It's something to talk about. But you need to know I'm I'm with you and for you no matter what. And we're going to work through this together as fellow strugglers. But can we have this conversation? And if somebody approaches me like that, the chances of me not listening are pretty low. Right. When people come with humility and gentleness. Let me give an illustration of what it means to speak the truth in love. Um, a corrective conversation. So um, this happened just a couple weeks ago. So a, a friend of mine, we're leading an effort together and we had this Zoom meeting with about 30 people on this Zoom meeting. And he was leading the conversation on Zoom, which meant I could kind of, you know, not real. I didn't have to lead the conversation. I was just part of it. And I'm ADD enough that these Zoom meetings are really, really hard to stay with it. And there's so much else to do and look at and see. Right. And 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 so and and so I was trying to look like I was interested and really engaged. And I was kind of faking it because, you know, the Zoom thing was up here. The camera was up here. But down here where nobody could see, I had some stuff I was doing. I texted somebody. I looked at the news. I did, you know, doing stuff, kind of, you know, looking at doing that thing. And I thought it was I totally fooled everybody. Um, and then I also had to leave the meeting early and instead of disrupting everybody. I just got off the meeting because I needed to go to do something else. And so I left the meeting early. So my friend uh, calls me after that and says, hey, um, can we talk about that Zoom meeting? But sure. And uh, he said, you know, you know how much I love you and how honored I am to lead with you. Um, and I mean that. But on that call, I was really disappointed. Because, you know, we're leading this together and it was obvious. I, I don't know if you realize this, but it was really obvious you were kind of not really there. And then you just ducked out early without saying anything, which made it just made everybody feel like you're really this is not something you really care that much about. And I know that's not true. And it made it left me hanging and uh, and wondering, you know, and so. Um, and then he said, he said, look, I've done that. I've made that mistake so many times. I can see it when somebody else is doing it. And you just need to know that. And that was great. I was so helpful. Right. And, and I was able to apologize and with the group and just say, man, and it changed the way I led and it made everything better. But if he had just let it go or if he'd been mean and cut me off, you know, that wouldn't have been helpful. But that was a great example of a one of these crucial conversations. So I want you to think about a conversation that you need to have and what it would look like to speak the truth in love. Um, All of us, I believe, I I want you to have one conversation this week because all of us can do this. That is a an affirming conversation with somebody where you speak a word of encouragement or word of affirmation. You call them, you talk to them, whatever, and just do that. I, I got some of those this week from people who thought. I wouldn't care about it at all. In fact, some of them said that, like, hey, I know you get lots of email. You don't care about what, you know, you don't even know me, but I just want you to know I really appreciate this. Or I really appreciate how you're leading in this craziness. And I really, and, uh, and thinking like, it meant the world to me. I mean, most of us just, it's, it's like people who are mad, they're motivated, right? They'll tell, and that's okay too. I don't mind that, you know, when people email stuff in. But, we just kind of assume, well, people know how I feel like that guy in the marriage counseling. If I let, you know, I said I love you 50 years ago, I'll let you know if that ever changes. Don't leave people hanging. Say the unsaid affirming word and choose somebody to do that. It'll be way more powerful than you think. And then if you've got a, an unresolved hurt in a relationship that you really haven't brought out into the open, 
And again, doing an open way could be just a misunderstanding, but you're leaving it there. Or if there's something that in a friend and you're just leaving them with their zipper down in some area of their life, um, let me encourage you to have that conversation and, and all the way that we do it, to speak it the way we've talked about it. Make sure it's true. Be humble about that. You don't know what's true, but focus on facts, feelings. If it's an offense, do it in love like we talked about. And I believe God will help you do it. In fact, in Matthew 18, when he says, when you have one of these corrective conversations, that's where he says, uh, whenever you do that, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm there too. And it'll help those conversations go well. Let me encourage you to have those conversations, to love people enough to do that. And then let me, and we're going to pray for that. And then, but before we do, let me just say this last thing, that if somebody comes to you with one of these corrective conversations, be smart enough to listen. Um, Solomon in, in Proverbs said that, said that. He said, fools spurn correction, but wise people embrace it. Wise people embrace feedback because we're blind. We all have blind spots, right? And, and we, we just don't know what we don't know. We don't know the truth about us. And so when somebody comes to do that, whether it's an offense at a relationship or something in our life that could be better, that's a gift. And it doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean they're 100% right. And that's okay, but they're probably not 100% wrong either. And just be smart enough and wise enough to listen because you know how hard it is. And I'm not, I know some people are just jerks and critics. That's different. But people who love you and are for you, you know how hard it is to have these conversations. And if they're, if, I mean, if they're gone through all that you have to go through to have that, then you should listen because they probably have your best interest at heart. Now, and again, I know some people don't, and that's different. I'm talking about people who love you, who are with you and for you in life. So with all that in mind and with these conversations in mind, let's pray and ask God to give us the courage and the love to do this well, because it is so important to uh, to all of us as we try to grow, as we try to get better. Let's pray. Father, I uh, I thank you for the again, just for the practicality of your word that guides us in life. And speaking the truth in love is hard for us. You know that. And so, Father, would you help us have these conversations, both the affirming ones God, just bring people to mind right now as we're praying. And as well as the maybe the corrective feedback kind of conversations or if there's an unresolved hurt in a relationship kind of conversation. God, help us to bring that out and and to talk about it in a way that is true and loving, that is full of grace and full of truth and, and gives the best opportunity for that to go well. And help us do it with humility and gentleness. And Father, I know that you will always empower us to do what you ask us to do. And you tell us to speak the truth in love so that we can all get better, so that we can all grow. And I know you'll help us do just that. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.